Hi, this is the official podcast of Riverside International Church in Lisbon. Riverside is an international, contemporary, caring, and Christ-centered community. Our vision is to significantly impact the country of Portugal and the regions beyond with the gospel. Thank you for listening to us, and we hope that your life will be impacted by these teachings. God bless. We're going to finish the series that we've started. The series we'll call Everyday Disciples. So Ruben started the series by, uh, in, in his message, Everyday Change. And he said that through God's word, or God uses his word to change our lives. And there's a first radical change that happens in our lives as, we, as God's word speaks to us in, in, in such a way and we give our lives. But then there's a change that happens every day. Then Jode explored the idea that once we are changed, then we are to be presented as living sacrifices. This good smelling aroma that, raises, uh, that rises to the Lord through our actions. And, and Gabby explored even more that last week how we are to be every day holy. We are to be uh, separated uh, like God is separated from the things that are evil. And we are to, to look at the things that are of God. And today I want to explore the idea that we are everyday worshippers. And I want to put already the fifth gear. So I want to start with a quote by Tim Keller. And he says, you don't get to decide to worship. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody worships something. The only choice you get is what to worship. Now this morning, I want to expand briefly this idea of what worship is. But I want to go a bit more in depth of what the everyday worshiper of God means. Gabby mentioned uh, last week how here in Riverside, it's beautiful to see the diversity. We are international in an uh, interdenominational church. And so some people express their worship and they like to raise their hands and clap and they like to dance. Others are more reserved. They like to, to, to stay in, in their seat. And, and it's just beautiful to see this uh, diversity. But I want to talk about with you today, what are the common things that we have and that help us or should drive us to be worshipers of God. So what is worship? Maybe the, the simplest uh, description I saw, and it's powerful for me, is that worship is a reaction. Everything that reacts to who God is and does, attributing to Him reverent honor, and expressing in two different ways. Worship is that reaction. So you can worship by singing. You can worship by dancing. You can worship by trembling. You can worship by being still. You can worship by praying, by giving. You can worship by committing to God. Worship is a reaction that you take because of who God is and who God does. In the New Testament, one of the terms for worship is proskuneo, which means to bow down to God or to kings. And this bow down is a reaction once you know who's the king you're bowing to. Worship is not a Sunday morning experience. Worship is not fitting on a box a couple of songs and we come and our emotions are, are high on that, on that morning 
and we tick. We came to, to the Sunday service, worship was night, fill me up, and then it's done. Worship is not that. It's not in a box. Worship is not even about us. Worship is not a self-seeking moment or a self-help moment. Worship is about God. Worship is directed to God. Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praises the Lord. And I love Joe chapter 12, this, this passage that says, but ask the animals and they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Since God created everything, the whole creation is meant to worship his creator. We usually say when we're talking to uh, non-believers and we're trying to explain how can they understand a bit more God or or see a bit more about, uh, about God, and you see, you know, you go to, the, to your street, and you look around, and you see the buildings, and you think, wow, there has to be an architect or an engineer that designed this building. So we say, look beyond your street, and look at the galaxies, look at the universe, look at the tree, look at the beautiful nature, the birds, and the way that nature uh, acts, and you will see a higher designer. God reveals himself through his creation. He sustains his creation. And so his creation speaks of his glory. So we have the privilege or we are called to participate together in this, in this praise. That's worship. Now, I would, I would like this morning to focus on three three main points about what being everyday worshipers of God mean. And the first one I want to share with you is that everyday worship is focusing on Jesus. In other words, you have to be blind for the, to the things of this world in order that you can better focus on Jesus. Let me tell you a story. Last year, um, me and Jode, we participated in the event organized by the Evangelical Alliance. It was called the Forum Evangel Evangelical Forum. And it was a, a weekend where many churches and ministries were got together and they had their stands and people could visit and see the different ministries that were happening uh, in Portugal. And it was really cool. You get a bigger picture of what's happening here in Portugal. And in the closing session, uh, they invited a gospel choir to sing a few songs. And as they were coming to the stage, I remember, um, uh, I noticed they were helping a, a blind uh, lady coming to the stage and she was going to sing it. And I noticed that as they, was, as they were helping her uh, uh, climbing the stairs. But as they start singing, she caught my attention, uh, my attention uh, and, and I couldn't stop staring at her. I don't remember what um, they were singing, I don't remember the words. But I remember her attitude, and it was strange. I couldn't, I couldn't, my eyes were fixed on her because I was, by the way she was there, standing, worshiping God, how, it got me thinking, she, she's not able to see the crowd, she's not able to see the light, she's not able to see the person next to her, 
but it seems as she's seeing the Jesus she's singing at. And, and her authenticity, her, she's standing firm there, it was speaking to my heart, and I started crying just uh, to looking at her. And as I was thinking on this message, and I was thinking how an everyday worship is about focusing on Jesus, and we have to be blind to this world, I thought about her. Because as she was there standing in worship, it seemed as she was seeing, seeing the Jesus in front of her. And that's the same principle that should be applied to our lives. Paul says, we live by faith and not by sight. But this is the idea I, I, I want, to, I want to, to, to share here, right? We live by faith and not by sight. May our human sight not be so caught up with the things of the world that we actually lose sight or lose faith of our God. And John says, you don't love this, don't, do not love the things of this world. And by the things of this world, he was meaning the things that don't belong to God. He says, do not love those things of the world because if you love them, you do not love the Father. And then he says, if you love those things of the world, or loving those things of the world won't get you anywhere because those things are temporary, but the things of God are eternal. So when we are blind to this world, we are then able to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And that should be our first step to have a reaction on worship. Because the more we focus on Jesus, the more we understand who He is and the more we understand who we are and the more we understand the need that we have for Him. That's why the second point I want to make today is that everyday worship is calling His name and asking His mercy. And I want to explore a bit this idea by um, sharing with you uh, on Luke chapter 18. So, Dina, would you mind reading for us, please? As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. All right. Mark records, Luke doesn't, but Mark records the, 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 the blind beggar's name has Bartimaeus, meaning son of filth. So we have a guy named son of filth who is blind and he's a beggar. He doesn't add that much to the society rather than be someone that is daily on the streets and people that have some money can be looked as very pious people and they can give something to him. But this guy has, he heard that the movement of people and, Jesus, and someone was coming to Jericho. He says, who's coming? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth, who's coming? So this guy has certainly heard about him because he starts shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What does the crown does? 
verse 39. The crowd starts to rebuke him and told him to be quiet. Actually, the words that Mark uses are also uh, strong. It's like the crowd was saying, shut up, are really harsh uh, words. I mean, I can understand in a sense, who are you to be shouting here and disturbing the teacher that is coming to our town? We want to welcome him well. We want to show this respect for him. Who are you to be shouting here? And Bartimaeus, in his own raw, desperate way, disoriented, perhaps, but not fearful, alone, but not shy, he keeps shouting, Jesus, have mercy on me. He actually starts worshiping Jesus right there as he started to call Jesus by his name and asking for his mercy. And even when the crowd was telling him to be quiet, he worshiped louder and louder and he keep on asking, Jesus, have mercy on me. Verse 14. Jesus doesn't approach this beggar that was screaming, but Jesus commands the people to bring him to his presence. Now, I love Jesus' uh, sense of humor because to the same crowd that, they, that was trying to shut up Bartimaeus, Jesus saying, you that are trying to shut up, you bring now him back to me. So it's kind of a nice scolding there. But I love that Jesus allows the worshipers to be brought to his presence. And what does this mean? It means that we don't serve a God that is distant in the high heavens, seated on a cloud with his arms crossed, just waiting to see when, when the people do something wrong and so he then punish. We don't worship a God that demands us to pray five, ten times a day. We don't worship a God that demands us to fast 20, 20 days a year. We don't worship a God that demands us to bring food before an altar or to carve image uh, to him. We worship a God that says, come close. I give you the privilege to come close to me. If you want to be close to me, if you want to worship, if you're calling by my name and if you're asking for mercy, I am able for you. I am here. You can come to me. But then Jesus asks this question. What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> it seems a bit tasteless or heartless question. Couldn't everyone see he was a blind? He was a beggar? He was in desperate needs? Doesn't Jesus know what was his priority? What were his needs? I love that actually this question to Bartimaeus is a test. Jesus was testing Bartimaeus. He knew that what was his need right there. But Bartimaeus was someone, was someone that probably had no education, training, any employment record or marketable skills. So Bartimaeus knew that from the day he would get sight, he would no longer be suitable to be <laughs> a, a beggar there. Now you have eyes, now you can go and you can work, right? So actually what Jesus is asking him is, not, is, is a test because yes, I can provide what you need in, the, in this short-term need that you have, but I want you to a longer-term commitment. 
So Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? And this would speak, what's going to happen now uh, uh, from your life the moment I, I heal you? And verse 41, Bartimaeus passed the test and he says, Lord, let me receive my sight. I don't think he just passed the test because he asked for his sight to be uh, healed, but because he says, Lord. And worship starts when we recognize Jesus as the Lord of our lives, when we recognize his authority, when he recognizes his power. Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God. Through him, all things were created on heaven and on earth. The visible things and the invisible things, the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And the moment we start to recognize that this is the Jesus, he is the one who has authority over our lives, then we call him Lord as we worship him. And then we says, we, he said, let me receive my sight. And I love how this physical need can be a parallel to our spiritual need. Let, Lord, let us receive our sight so that we are able to actually see you. So that Bartimaeus were able to, to see Jesus. And what happens then on verse 43? He stood up and he followed Jesus. He didn't stood up and he was happy with his life and went away and now trying to sort his things. He stood up and followed Jesus, praising him. An everyday disciple is someone that is changed by God, as Ruben shared. Is someone that wants change, wants to live as a living sacrifice and holy, set apart from the things that don't belong to God, and is someone that reacts in worship. May our eyes be blind for the things of the world, not allowing to be overcome or overwhelmed by distractions. And may our spiritual sight be restored so that we can fully turn our eyes upon Jesus. May we be blind to the things of this world so we can better see Jesus. May we not be overcome by the circumstances. And even when we are in a boat and there's storm around us and Jesus is on this boat, but he's sleeping and it seems that he doesn't care that we'll eventually drown, may we still call to him, Lord, do something. Have mercy on us. Let us not be so distracted by the things that happen in this world. And it's so easy to get distracted. Me and Jode, we, we realize we need to keep each other accountable. So, so one of the things we, we, we start doing it, and so this is a, a personal experience, is that we started to realize what were the things that distracted us for, so that as individual or as a couple, we were not focusing on Jesus as we should. So one of the things we said is, okay, let's challenge each other for a month. And one of the first challenges we took was, how do we wake up in the morning? What is the first thing we do in the morning? Because it was honestly very easy for us as we turn and we take the alarm off, then we pick the phone and let me see what the world has to tell me now, you know? I mean, <laughs> and we would 
start our day and the finger cannot stop. And, and the first thing you do in the morning is you get distracted with whatever it is. And, and yet there may be eventually a message that someone messages that is important to deal about, but not right there in the beginning of the day. And we realize we need to start our day with God, at least thanking God for another day of grace. And actually this month, we are starting a month of finishing our day without an episode of The Office in bed. It's really hard for us, but it's true. Sometimes we get home, it's late, and we just want to take our brains out, and it's easy to go to bed, put your laptop, and get distracted. But the true fact is that we started to realize how can we actually finish our day and look back to our day, just understand what happened, what, 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 happened, what was the blessings of our day, what was our challenges, and, and, and finish with, uh, with God. You know? So I'm not telling here rules on what to do or not, but I'm telling a personal experience that we start and we needed to understand, even as a couple, we need to, to be more focused on Jesus. Otherwise, it's so easy to get distracted. But so as Bartimaeus gets his sight, he follows Jesus. And he's, he's also, he's this spontaneous and he's sincere. And may our worship be also spontaneous. May our words, may our actions, may we be consistent in what we say and what we do so that we are contagious to the people around us. That's what happens also in the end of verse 43. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Yes, they saw the miracle. Yes, they saw it there, but they saw Bartimaeus' attitude. In the same way, where is our contentment? Where is our daily joy? Where is our worship lifestyle that is pointed to God and that drives other people towards God as well? Where is that? Where is that? My, mother, my, my grandmother um, died uh, last year. And one of the things that impressed me in the funeral, I mean, before the funeral, the, the body was in the church and the people could, could go there. And one of the things that impressed me was when my grandfather arrived. And there was some sort of expectation. How is he going to react now that he realized it is happening? He seemed a bit, uh, you know, uh, with anesthesia. We didn't know how, how he was going to react. But now that he was stepping inside the church, what was going to happen? And I remember that the first thing he says when he stepped into the church, he says, glory to God, glory to God. And it was a bit weird. I was expecting maybe him to cry and shout and say, how oh, miserable I am. How did this happen? Everything was so quick. We were not expecting. But he says, glory to God. And then I realized, yeah, because he fully understands she's with the Lord now. It's, it's about the Lord. We are actually the ones that are staying here. But it was this vision that he had right away. That was his spontaneous reaction. And that was contagious to me. I was like, wow. And that bridges to my third point. Everyday worship is focusing on eternity. As my grandfather stepped in that church, and, he, and as he saw that his situation was not an easy situation, the first thing he did was to focus on eternity. And I remember that his his lifestyle was always about that. I remember that in, in his speech, in the way he would talk, in the way he would s s 
study God in the Bible, his focus was on eternity. And it's so easy for us to get distracted with the here and now. But when we have a glimpse of the worship that is happening on heaven, when we start expecting what is to come, what Jesus is preparing for his church, then we start reacting in worship. I would like you to close your eyes. No worries. It's not something mystical. Dina is here. He's not touching in your wallet or anything. I would like to read you a passage on Revelation chapter 5. John, a disciple of Jesus, was being persecuted. And they put him isolated in an island until the end of his days. And in this island... God started bringing him visions, and he wrote the book of Revelation. And on chapter 5, he stands in heaven, and he has this vision of the throne of God, and the angels, and the creatures, and millions of people around the throne, and a scroll is going to be open, and this scroll will reveal what's to happen in history. And they don't know who is worthy to open this scroll until they point out to Jesus, this Lamb of God that is worthy to open the scroll. But then these are the words that he recorded as he heard the worship in heaven. And the worship goes, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, and people, and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Jesus was the embodied God that came to this earth. And he had all the glory in heaven, but he came to this earth. And he presented himself as a living sacrifice. To, as his lamb that was hang on the tree so that our sins could be paid and we could be made right with God. This lamb now is being enthroned in heaven and is being worshipped with mighty praise. Jesus is worthy of eternal admiration. John Piper said, We were made for the admiration of the excellence of Jesus. The greater your admiration, the greater the revelation of Christ glorification. Jesus has all the glory. He has the glory. He doesn't need us to worship him more 
so that he feels that he needs the glory. He has the glory by himself. But he gives us the privilege to be part of his creation that is attributing him the glory that he deserves. And the more we admire him, the more we approach to his presence, the greater the revelation of this glory in us. This will have its maximum peak and joy in heaven, but right now we have access to a glimpse of what this is going to be. In eternity, there will be no obstacle to our relationship and to our worship uh, with God. It will be perfect. Now we have daily emotional, circumstantial, satanic obstacles. But in the age to come, there will be no death. There will be no sickness. There will be no cry, no calamity, no pain, no sin. Rather, everything will be made new. We will have a new body. We will have a new name. We will have a new song. There will be new heavens. There will be a new city. Everything will be made new. And if you are in Christ, and by this I mean if there was a point in your life where you understood who this Jesus, the Lamb, the living, the sacrifice for our sins, and you gave your life to to him, if you are in Christ, this is your future, an eternal citizenship, an everlasting life of joy, just maximum joy in the beauty of Christ. May our hearts today start treasuring the promised reward, a deep, deep satisfaction of that future glorious hope. A soul saturated with satisfaction for Christ. Knowing that our eternity starts now on earth. Let the vision of the future worship in heaven starts to drive us. And may that vision become the fuel of this worship lifestyle that we ought to be. When you understand Jesus... Nailed on the cross, your life changes. When you understand Jesus seated on his throne, your worship changes. We as a church, we want to make Jesus new to the others, to those that are not belonging to our family yet. We want them to understand this Jesus on the cross so that their lives can radically change. But we, as a church, we need to better understand Jesus on the throne so that our worship changes, so that our lifestyle changes, so that the way we act and the way we react changes, that it, it points to God and, and, and drives others towards God as well. Everyday worship is about focusing on Jesus. Everyday worship is about calling his name and ask for his mercy. And everyday worship is focusing on eternity. And I'm going to conclude now and I would like the, the band to come up.
But you remember the first quote we said? Everybody worships something. Actually, that quote was taken from uh, words of this American novelist, David Foster Wallace. Not long before his suicide, he wrote this. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. And so he wrote, if you worship money, you'll end up feeling that you'll never have enough or you'll never actually have enough. If you worship your body and beauty and sexuality, you will always feel ugly and not good enough. He went on, he said, if you worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need even more power over others to numb you to your own fear. If you worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And then he says, but the subtle thing about these forms of worship is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. And those were his words before committing suicide. My challenge to you today is to turn from these default settings to a radical and intentional worship of God. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he understood this well when he says, Lord, to whom shall we go if only you have the words of the eternal life? Where, where can we go? What's our option? What's our option? Only you have the words of eternal life. And that's how we are called to be worshippers on God. Focusing on Jesus. Focusing on what Jesus is preparing. And focusing on that eternity. So this is the prayer that I would like us to pray as we conclude this sermon and, and this series. Lord, give us sight so that we might see you. And may we react with mighty worship so that others are drawn closer to you. You gave us eternity in our hearts. Give us now eternity in our eyes so that we eagerly wait for your coming. And for the next moments, I just want you in your place to look at the prayer or as God is leading you to keep praying, to take some time and be connected with God, to be in His presence, to be close to Him and ask Him, give me this eternity in my eyes. Help me to focus more on you, Jesus. Help me to understand what is distracting me. Help me to understand what needs to be changed, what needs to be healed, what needs to be restored so that I can have a worship lifestyle that it's pleasing you and it's, and it's drawing others close to you. that God has touched your heart with the message that he wants to tell us. If you would like to be updated with the things that are happening in our church, you may follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Riverside Lisbon. Thank you for listening.